Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. So I want to read uh, a few verses from the Amplified while you follow along in your version here. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we want to finish what we uh, commenced last week on this sort of events, at least this part. Okay, 2 Thessalonians 2 and uh, verse 1. But relative to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and our gathering together to meet him, we beg you, brethren, not to allow your minds to be quickly unsettled or disturbed or kept excited or alarmed, whether it be by some pretended revelation of the Spirit or by word or by letter alleged to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has already arrived and is here. Let no one deceive or beguile you in any way, for that day will not come except the apostasy comes first. That is, unless the predicted great falling away of those who have professed to be Christians has come, and the man of lawlessness, or the man of sin is revealed, who is the son of doom, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself so proudly and insolently against and over all that is called God or that is worshipped, even to his actually taking his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming that he himself is God. Do you not recollect that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining him from being revealed in his time. It is so that he may be manifested or revealed in his own appointed time. Okay, we'll just hold it there. All right, now let me just very briefly pick up where we left uh, off last week. Okay, we said now in the revelation of this triology, so I haven't got a sheet that I gave you myself, it's just absolutely brilliant here. But in this uh, triology of the temple, the Antichrist, and the apostasy, we said there's always in the scripture this, um, this triangle. And so we had up here, what was the first word? Prototype, you can just quote off your notes there, the prototype or heaven's original, the archetype, the prototype, the original. So everything begins in heaven, okay, the original. And then we said that in earth there was the what? The type which is the shadow, right? And then over against the type, we must have the, the anti-type, which is the fulfillment, okay? So we have the prototype, the shadow, the type in earth, and then through the cross, we come into the anti-type, which is the fulfillment. And so we saw that this thing happens in heaven, everything be- begins in heaven, casts its shadow on earth, and then this is the Old Testament, the, sh- the age of the shadow, the age of the type, and then once the cross came, through the cross into the new covenant, we come to the antitype. There are no types in the New Testament. The, ch- uh, the, the uh, church is the antitype or the anti over against the, fu- the antitypical fulfillment of everything that was uh, foreshadowed here. All right, then we started off with our pattern of three here, and we saw, first of all, the heavenly temple. Okay, was everybody that was here uh, last week convinced that the Bible says there's a heavenly temple? Can you say amen? And there was a heavenly tabernacle. We saw that in the book of Revelation and in Hebrews. The, the temple in heaven was opened. The temple of the tabernacle in heaven was opened. The Ark of the Covenant was seen. So the heavenly temple. 
Then number two, the second thing we saw was the first Antichrist revealed who was the devil himself, Satan, or as most Bible expositors accept, Lucifer, the day star, the falling star, and he rose up against the word of God. So we have the heavenly temple, the Antichrist sitting himself, I will be like God, I will ascend, I will sit in the temple of God, I will exalt myself. Let's turn over to, the, to uh, uh, the Isaiah chapter 12, just quickly on this. Isaiah chapter 12. As I said, if we understand the invisible, uh, we understand the, the invisible by the visible, we understand the earthly uh, order by the, uh, the, uh, the heavenly by the earthly order, we understand the, the uh, anti-type and the type and the, the prototype by the type. Follow the shadow. We come to the one whose shadow it is. All right, so in Isaiah chapter, what I say, Isaiah 14 and verse 12. Isaiah 14. Make sure you've got the right scripture on your notes there. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, O day star, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Remember Zion, beautiful for situation in the sides of the north, where Satan said he would ascend. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. So here we have the first Antichrist. He's against Christ. He's uh, against the Word. And as I said, way back in eternity, when God the Father brought His Son, the Word, and in Hebrews 1 said, let all the angels of God worship Him, I believe in that mysterious moment that Satan rose up against the Word, and would not bow to the Word, would not worship Christ. And so it was the Word that had to be made flesh to come and deal with him. So, Antichrist. Now, number three, as we saw last week, here we have the first apostasy. The first apostasy. And as we read in those scriptures, the angels which left, not, uh, which left their uh, habitation, kept not their principality, but left their own habitation, is reserved in chains. So here we have the first falling away, the angels. So here we see the beginning of this triology of the prototype, the type and the anatype, the heavenly temple, the first antichrist, the first falling away, the first apostasy, as antichrist Satan went moving amongst the angels whispering and slandering against the word. So all the angels had to make a choice whether to stand with God and his word or to stand with Satan and his word and exercise free will, self-will, which was Satan's will. So here we see the pattern. And so in your, in your notes on the first three lines, you should have the heavenly temple, first antichrist, Satan, Lucifer, and the first apostasy, the angels. Okay, now let's continue as we go down on the second one there. All right, now we come to the second pattern of this, and we have, uh, Joyce, have you got a sheet there? Someone will just have to give me a sheet because I've got, uh, I'll let you fill in the answers out. Thanks, Chris, here. Okay, because you've got the scriptures that I haven't got on my notes totally here. All right, now, when we come to the earthly pattern, Number two here, this is what we see. So we've looked at the heavenly pattern. Now we come to the, to the earthly. This chalk won't write tonight. 
Alright, we have the earthly pattern. Now remember what we've said here, that the heavenly casts its shadow upon the earth. So under A, we have first of all Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple. You fill in there, Solomon's temple. And in Second uh, Chronicles chapters 1 through to 5, and 1 Kings chapter 5 through to 8, we have all the chapters that deal with Solomon's temple. Now remember, it's the temple of the Lord, really. It's referred to as Solomon's temple, but the temple of the Lord, it was the earthly shadow of the heavenly temple. So we have the earthly temple and all those details that are given to us there. Now let's go over to Second uh, Chronicles, or Second Kings, Second Kings chapter 21. 2 Kings, chapter 21. Now one of the things I want to say here, just as we read this verse here, we find that in the history of Israel, which was the Old Testament church, there has always been those men who somehow allowed the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of Lucifer, the spirit of Satan, to get hold of them where they set themselves up as God and they always come and try to set themselves up in the temple and defile the temple of God. And here we have just an example of one of those kings. In this case, he did repent, but he was the worst king. And the significant thing about this is this, that Manasseh, was born in the 15 years given to Hezekiah in that extension of his life. If he had have died, thank you, if he had have died when the Lord said to, then this son would never have been born. And so let's just uh, read a few verses from 2 Kings chapter 21. I'm going to take from verse 1 and uh, listen to some of the terrible things he did in relation to the temple of God. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign and reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Hephzibah. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. For he built again the high places uh, which were all idolatrous places uh, which Hezekiah his father destroyed. And he reared up altars for Baal, Baal and made a grove as did Ahab, king of Israel, and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. And look what he did here in relation to the temple of God. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord said, In Jerusalem will I put my name. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. So we know the picture here because, remember, the, earthly, the heavenly and the earthly, okay? In the heavenly temple, we have three heavens. We have the outer court, which we speak of as the atmospheric heavens. And then we have the holy place, which we speak of as the planetary heavens. And then we have the third heaven, which is the heaven of heavens, which is Paul calls the third heaven paradise up. So when Jesus ascended, he ascended up through the heavens we're told, right into the heaven of heavens and is in the presence of God. So what happened? This heavenly thing cast a shadow 
on earth. And so we have it in the tabernacle of Moses or the temple of Solomon. So this thing on earth, the earthly tabernacle, the earthly temple is only the shadow of the heavenly thing. So it casts its shadow on earth. So now in the temple of Solomon or the, the temple of the Lord, we find Manasseh, just one of the kings. He goes into this temple and what does he do? He sets up altars here. He sets up altars in the courts of the Lord. Solomon's temple had a couple of courts and just whole abominable idolatries, setting himself up as an antichrist, an idolatrous person, as God. The spirit of antichrist, the spirit of Lucifer, the spirit of Satan operating in the man. And in verse uh, 6, And he made his, sons pa his son pass through the fire and observed times and used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to answer uh, anger. And now verse 7, And he set a graven image of the grove that he had made in the house so setting up a false god in the temple of God. Now you see how this whole thing ultimately comes to the thing we're looking at, that Antichrist sets himself up as God in the temple of God. So some of the idolatrous kings would set up idols, set up false gods in the house of God. That's the pattern that we have, just like happened in the heavenly thing. Uh, he set a graven image of the grove that he had made in the house of which the Lord said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem which I have chosen, out of all tribes of Israel will I put my name forever. Uh, verse 9, But they hearkened not, and Manasseh, just like the devil, seduced them to do more evil than did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the, uh, before the children of Israel. Let's go over to Second Chronicles, the corresponding chapter. Second Chronicles chapter 33. And we come to the third part, and this is a repetition here. So what I'm saying here is Manasseh sets up false gods and a graven image in the house of God. Idolatry. Just as Satan said back here, I will be like God, I will ascend. And he exalted himself in the heavenly temple and caused the apostasy of the angels up here who followed him. Manasseh, just a sample, in the God's temple, the temple of the Lord, sets up false gods in the temple. And here we have the falling away. So this is your third line here. Apostasy, the falling away in Israel. More particularly Judah here, but in the, in the chosen nation of Israel. God's people and apostasy. Listen to verse uh, 7 again of Second Chronicles 33. And he set a carved image, the idol which he had made in the house of God, of which God has said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel will I put my name forever. Verse 9, here you have your apostasy. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen. And how many know that when people really backslide and turn from God, they become worse than some sinners? It's a very peculiar thing that when a Christian apostatizes, he does worse things than ever he did when he was a sinner, unregenerate. 
And it's exactly what the book of Peter says. It's better for them not to have known the way of salvation than after they have known it to turn aside from the holy commandment. But they have become worse than, than before. And so there's something uncanny. And I can't explain this mystery of iniquity as Paul calls it. How did, how did uh, Lucifer, an archangel, become a devil? How does a Christian become an apostate? That's all part of what Paul calls the mystery of iniquity. And so here we have this falling away. So uh, Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. Well then in the rest of the chapter, God... Uh, uses Babylon to fix him and in his affliction he seeks to the Lord but look at the pattern that we have here now on the bottom of his sheet here before we go to the church pattern here you'll notice that the same pattern happens in the Gentile world uh, I have just just a couple of examples here when uh, Antiochus Epiphanes uh, during the time of the Maccabees during the 400 silent years Antiochus Epiphanes what did he come he came in to Judah, overthrew the country. Uh, if I remember, he was out from the Syrian uh, division of the Alexandrian Empire. And Antiochus Epiphany set up an idol of Jupiter, a god of Jupiter, right in the most holy place in the temple and forced the Jews to worship it. And he took a pig and sacrificed a pig on the altar and sprinkled its blood all around the outer courts. And the Orthodox Jews, they were just absolutely raving mad because to offer the blood of a, of a pig, an unclean animal upon the altar of God and sprinkle it all around there and force them to worship the idol of Jupiter on pain of death. But the tragedy is there were a number of Jews that, uh, that followed Antiochus Epiphanes and there was a great apostasy in Israel. So you see this happening in the nation of Israel. So the same thing here. The temple of God, Antiochus Epiphanes, a Syrian, if I remember, is that right, anybody remember this uh, out of the Syrian horn? Think of Israel and Syria today and what's happening there too. Um, so Antiochus Epiphany, he sets up this idol in the temple of God. He causes a great falling away. He, uh, he, he put to death those Jews who continue to circumcise their children, keep the Sabbath days, try to offer sacrifice. Anybody did that? There was a tremendous slaughter and persecution against the Orthodox Jews. But at the same time, there was a tremendous falling away in that time so you have it there and also it's always interesting that in the counterfeit of this that in the all the pagan temples of the Roman emperors and so forth the pagan temples in the Asian uh, cities like Corinth Acre Corinth you go up there and see the temple uh, to the various gods and all the cities of Asia had their temple great is the temple of Diana and the subtle thing was they would build these temples and then they would set up an idol in the temple or they would have emperor worship or the emperor would worship, enter into the temple and they would worship the emperor as God. Caesar is Lord on pain of death. Jews who were orthodox, they would never say Jesus, uh, Caesar is Lord, Jesus is Lord or Father is Lord. Uh, but when the Jews apostatized, they would take a pinch of the incense 
and burn it and say Caesar is Lord and you have that apostasy so what I'm saying this for is that there's this pattern uh, this triology of the temple an antichrist a false god and an apostasy that, ha that thing happens all the way through heavenly Israel's temple pagan temples temple of the Lord now what I'm saying and I know some of you were shocked about this but I'm saying that this same thing is going to happen in the church and that the Antichrist will come from the church not out there as a Hitler now let's just go through some of these scriptures here is everybody with me are you breathing out there I'm barely breathing okay some of these scriptures you know very well but let's go to 1st Corinthians chapter 3 so I'm just repeating the pattern three times. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So we've looked at the heavenly pattern, the heavenly temple, the heavenly antichrist, the heavenly apostasy, then the earthly pattern, the earthly temple, the earthly antichrist, various kings, uh, and the earthly apostasy in Israel. Now we're looking at that which happens in the church. 1 Corinthians 3.16 frightening challenging scriptures know ye not that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you how many are glad you're the temple of God and how many believe you have the Shekinah glory in you who is the Shekinah glory the Holy Spirit the Spirit of God he dwells in you I have the Shekinah glory in me in this temple in this three-part temple the body my outer court the soul, the holy place, with its respective furniture faculties. Oh, I've got to watch these things. My ho most holy place, my spirit, where the Holy Spirit is united with my spirit. Is this true? That's true for everyone because we are his temple individually, corporately. Now, verse 17. If any man defile the temple of God, or destroy the temple of God, him shall God destroy. As sure as God destroyed the temple at Jerusalem, when they brought the idols in and the apostasy came, he destroyed the temple through Babylon. So as sure as he destroyed that, so sure will he destroy this temple, if any man defile it. Oh, that's heavy duty stuff. For the temple of God is holy, which temple are ye? And then the other scriptures I put there while one other while you're there, 619. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? Alright, so in the scriptures I've given you, we have two aspects of the temple. Individually, we are the temple of God. I was born to be thy dwelling place. Corporately, we are the temple of God. Okay, so you fill in there, if you haven't already got it, A, the church is the temple. Believers and the church are God's temple. Believers individually and the church corporately is God's temple. All right, B, in 2 Thessalonians, Daniel chapter 7, 8, 11, 13, uh, Revelation 13, that should be by the way, instead of Daniel 13, no such chapter. I want you to go over to Daniel, Daniel chapter 8, Daniel 8. 
Antichrist. Daniel 8. And we'll pick up in verse, uh, verse 9. Daniel 8, verse 9. And there were many shadows. Uh, uh, not next week or the following, because next week I have to take the young people's. I promised them at the beginning of the year, so I'll have someone else take this combined session. But uh, I'll, pick up, I'll pick up Thessalonians after that, okay? Um, when we get on to the Antichrist, we'll be dealing more fully with this. Uh, but Daniel chapter 8 and verse 9. And out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great. So this, this little horn pictures the Antichrist. You can put in your fill in there, Antichrist, the little horn. And what did this little horn do? It waxed great even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host of the stars to the ground. Oh, so this little horn, whoever the devil is, he waxes great to the hosts of heaven and he casts down some of the stars. We think of falling away. Revelation 12, a third of the part of the stars of heaven with the tail of the dragon and casts them to the earth. Falling stars. How art thou fallen, O Lucifer, day star? Abraham, your seed will be as the stars. But they are wandering stars, apostate stars. A falling star is symbolic of an apostate, spirit-filled believer. And he stamped upon them. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host. And by him the daily sacrifice was taken away. And the place of his sanctuary was cast down. You'll note the three things there. The sanctuary, the little horn, the apostasy, the falling stars. Same thing, it's, it's just all the way through. Under C, on your notes there, just put, we've already read the scripture, 2 Thessalonians 2, the great apostasy. That day shall not come except there come a falling away or an apostasy. All right, so in the church pattern, we're just repeating the same thing. We have the church as God's temple, in believers as God's temple. We have the Antichrist, little horn, we'll be dealing with that more fully. We have an apostasy. A sinner has nothing to fall from. A sinner has nothing to apostatize from. How can a sinner who is unsaved, how can he fall away? All right, let's go over to page 8 and B. Page 8 and B. Now, I don't want to frighten you, it's just a good healthy fear. Good healthy fear that we all need to have, I have it. You know, I don't live in fear, but it's good healthy fear. In the New Testament, and also in the Old, but more particularly in the New Testament, there are two major words relative to the word fall. That day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And uh, under the definition of words, we have the first one, number uh, one, fall. And it says he is able, um, uh, let, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 12. <laughs> Trying to remember so many scriptures here. 
1 Corinthians 10, 12. The Greek word here is pipto. And so in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, he says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And the Greek word pipto here means to stumble or to trip up, to fall. So all of us at times stumble. All of us at times fall. How many have not stumbled? Hands up. We all get tripped up at times. Then in uh, the second word, fall there, still under number one, and it, uh, it's related to this previous word. It means to trip, to err, to sin, to fail of salvation. It's translated fall, stumble. Second uh, Peter chapter 2 and verse 10. Uh, put a number of scriptures there that you can look at. But Second Peter 2... And that doesn't seem to be the right scripture. Um, uh, I don't know if anybody can help me. I've got a wrong scripture this. What's that? 110, is it? Okay, yes, 110. Just alter that to 110. That's right. Thanks, uh, Anthony. Wherefore, the rather brethren... Give diligence to make your calling an election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. You'll never be tripped up and err and sin or fail of salvation. That's the word there. And then Jude 24 is a beautiful word and a beautiful promise. In the midst of, and Jude is the apostle, Jude is the epistle of the apostates. <laughs> you get that right. Jude is the epistle of the apostates. And in Jude, he deals with falling stars, falling angels, falling devils, falling, falling, falling. Unless the saints end up with full of fear, he says in verse 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, stumbling, without sin, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory, with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Saviour, be glory and majesty. How many are glad for that promise? Now in the ones I've put from the Old Testament, it says, though a righteous man, a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets up again. So what I'm saying there, there is a word where we, at believers, we stumble, we get tripped up, and we fall over sometimes, but we don't lie in the mud, we get up and go on. But the second word that we're looking at, and this is the word that's in, in Thessalonians, uh, it's the word apostasia. So when he says there shall come a great apostasy, a great falling away, it's not just meaning to stumble, to trip up, but it's what we've got on your notes there. I've spelt this out fully for you. It's to fall away, to apostatize, to turn from the faith, or a defection from truth. So there will come a great apostasy, a great turning from the faith. There will come a great defection from the truth. I think some of the things that are going on in the States, as well as around the world today, I think God's shaking the church. I think God's going to clean the church out. Judgment must begin at the house of God. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where is the sinner and the ungodly appear? So I want to keep up to date accounts with the Lord, don't you? So 
Uh, it's the feminine of the same as 647, something separative, and it actually sort of goes back. This apostasy is something separative, separative, that's right, or divorce, where a person divorces themselves from the Lord, who is their bridegroom. That's the thought in apostasy. A writer, and, and the same Greek word there, apostasion, is translated a writing of divorcement. Now, in here we have the great falling away, the great apostasy. So I put a number of scriptures there. In the last days, many will depart from the faith, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. We're not to fall away, to fall beside, figuratively to apostatize. In Daniel 8.10, which I read to you, Revelation 12 and 4, John sees the vision of the dragon in heaven, and his tail to a third part of the stars. You have to watch the tail. T-A-T-A-L-E-S, tails, and T-A-I-L, tail. Because the tail is swishing around and it causes a third part of the stars to fall to earth. And isn't it significant that Revelation 12 shows you the great falling away and Revelation 13 shows you the man of sin? That's the order Paul gave. Now I want to ask you a question here. We've got about three minutes. Uh, I'll just read this statement here. So the great apostasy is to turn aside and away from the truth of the principles of the oracles and doctrine of Christ. To turn from the faith, to divorce oneself from Christ, is the apostasy. This takes place in the church, God's last day temple, and here the man of sin is guilty of self-deification. And I think a lot of this teaching that's coming out, that ye are gods, and self-deification, and it's happening in the church, frightens me. Now, in, uh, in, this, in this book, as we wrap up here, I think that clock's right. We see in our studies, and you've got this, so you don't have to worry about taking it down. In, in Corinthians, we see there are two persons coming. In, in Thessalonians, correction. In Thessalonians, we see two persons coming Perusia. Christ is coming, Antichrist is coming. We see again in the words we've looked at in the previous word study, two persons are to be revealed, Apocalypsis. Christ is to be revealed, Antichrist is to be revealed. So there are two persons coming, Perusia, Christ is coming, Antichrist is coming. Two persons are to be revealed, Apocalypsis, unveiled. Christ is to be revealed, unveiled. Antichrist is to be revealed, unveiled. Now the Schofield teaching as we've been sharing together is Schofield says Christ comes first and takes the saints away in a secret rapture. Well, I think we've dealt with that. And then he says that after Christ comes first and the, uh, and the saints are taken up first, the rapture's first, then the man of sin be, will, will be revealed. He comes after Christ and the apostasy comes after that. I want to finish on this and show you who comes first. That's our question. Who do you think comes first, Christ or Antichrist? 
How many are looking for Christ to come first? It might shock you. It might shock the little tapeworms here. I'm looking for Antichrist to come first. Does that shock you? I'm looking for Jesus to come too. Get me out of the mess. So relax. Relax, you little tapeworms. Okay, let's go through a pattern here. And write both hands if you want to. Who came first? Cain or Abel? Come on, answer me. Which bird came out of the ark first? And then? Who came first? Ham or Shem? Who came first? Nimrod? Who's the 13th from... I'm standing in front of it. Now can you see? <laughs> Through a darkly, a glass darkly, but never face face. Okay. Who came first, Nimrod or Abraham? Who came first, Hagar or Sarah? Who came first, Ishmael or Isaac? Who came first, Esau or Jacob? Paul says, first that which is, and afterwards that which is. In the uh, parable of the wheat and tares, what did Jesus say to the harvest? The harvest is the end of the age. He said, go and bind together the wheat into my heavenly garner first by a secret rapture. Now what does he say? First bind the tares and afterwards gather the wheat. And let me tell you saints without naming them tonight because we've got one minute. The tares are being gathered into their ecumenical bundles today. Don't get tied up in the wrong bundle. Who comes first? That day, what day? I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord and our gathering together unto him to meet him in the air in the rapture, that day will not come except they come first and a falling away in apostasy and the man of sin be revealed. Have you understood all these things? How many yeses? Well, something for you to think about. Let's stand. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you again for the privilege of gathering together to share of your precious word. We thank you, Lord, that in the day when there is an apostasy that's going to increase as well as in gathering, people are turning from the faith and turning to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We thank you, Lord, that we do have your promise that you are able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the throne of your glory with exceeding joy. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us to do everything that we've been looking at in being watchful and praying that we may be worthy to escape, being of a sober mind in these days when, Lord, there is such pressure on the church. Help us, Lord, that there will be no antichrist in our temple, but that Christ will fill the temple with his presence and his glory and we'll keep our temples individually and corporately clean and pure so that your Holy Spirit may dwell in our total being. 
seal the word that we've shared tonight to all of our hearts. Help us to hide these things deep in our hearts and meditate upon them as we see your word being fulfilled in these last days. We ask it in the precious name of him who is able to keep us from falling, the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Shake hands with each other. And we'll pick this up on the following, following week. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org where you can access PDF downloads of all of Kevin Connor's books, as well as his video training courses, including the Key of Knowledge Seminar and Foundations of Christian Doctrine.